You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker with me today, and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. So really excited to look forward to the off-season on this end-of-year wrap-up show. Really excited to talk about all the wonderful things that lie ahead for the Miami Dolphins organization, uh, led by the indomitable force, the, the legend himself, Brian Flores. I can't wait to see what this team does as they go into the off-season. That was how I was kind of kind of thinking about starting the show today. But then, boy, I got that alert. I got that I got that alert from Adam Schefter this morning. What, nine o'clock, nine, nine oh five? Got that alert from Adam Schefter. Dolphins parting ways with Brian Flores saying goodbye, saying so long. We're going our separate ways. And so after three years, the Dolphins have parted ways with yet another coach. And that was pretty exciting. Until you read in the, you read the, 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 the news, you read the rest of the report. And it's like, Chris Greer is going to remain with the organization. And it's this brand, this is a classic Steve Ross, same old Dolphins half-ass measure to say goodbye to Brian Flores, but keep Chris Greer. And I, and I gotta know. What information does Chris Greer have about Steve Ross that he gets to just keep? Do- he's dodging bullets out here. He's like Phil Helmuth. He's he's dodging bullets, baby. I don't know, man. It's the it's just like Ireland was here one year too long, and that's that's the whole issue. Is that you know what this is going to be? You know what this reeks of? It reeks of Chris Greer being here one year too long. We're going into an off season where the Dolphins are going to spend roughly $75 million in cap space. And they have a GM that is in desperation job save mode. And now they have to hire a coach to come in and be the head coach of this football team under said GM that is in desperation mode, knowing that if this team falls short of whatever the owner's expectations are this coming year, that the GM is going to get fired. And then you're going to have to, this whole situation where you're going to have to hire a new GM and what GM is going to want to come in, uh, with a coach that just got hired. What coach is going to want to come in knowing that 
you know, a GM, your your GM could get fired after year one, and then you're going to have this pressure, and you you could be fired after year one. There's zero job security. It makes the head coaching job terrible. They just can't do any fucking thing right, and I apologize. Oh, we but got swears. That, we got that's swears. The first, that's the first F-bomb of what will likely be many F-bombs in this show for me because I put- am so fucking tired oh, of this team doing the same damn thing over and over and over again. Yes, it's the same old Dolphins show. Yes, we named it that for a reason. But we don't want them to continue to be the same old Dolphins, but they cannot help themselves. They literally cannot help themselves. They don't know how to do anything right. There there were a few ways that they could have handled this. The, the smartest way is to do one of two things, which was either nothing and just go into the year and say, Brian Flores and Chris Greer are tied to one another. They have a year after we go in and spend a bunch of money and go all in on this next year to prove their worth. Otherwise, you clean house. Or they could have cleaned house this year, said, Hey, we have a young foundation. We aren't sold on the guys that is on the guy that has been picking the players. We aren't sold on the head coach. So we're going to take this opportunity before an extremely important off season to clean house and bring in the right personnel in the front office. They could have done one of those two things. They couldn't do that. So they decided to do the half measure. Now, if you're going to do a half measure, the half measure to do is to bring, is to fire Chris Greer, who's been here for over a decade now and is at his hands in this draft process for God knows how long. And the Dolphins have notably been terrible at drafting for God knows how long. So the, the move to make would have been to fire Greer. And then if, and, and then you bring in a new GM and then, you know, the GM has a year to evaluate who your head coach is. And if, if he decides to move on from Brian Flores, okay, then he moves on from Brian Flores and he brings in his guy. It's a seamless transition to get to that clear vision that every team wants at the top. The one way that they could have screwed this up is what they did today. And then, and then look, the, the one thing that you're thinking when they fire Greer is, okay, well, they must be going hard after you know, Harbaugh, there must be some deal back there, but you know, the Michigan guys, uh, he's going to bring in Harbaugh and you know, whatever. I, I think Harbaugh is a, is an upgrade at head coach and Steven Ross is quoted today. This blows me away. He says, I don't want to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Are you fucking kidding me? He cares more about the Michigan Wolverines than he does about the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this is fucking awful. This is who your head coach, I mean, this is who your owner is. Your owner cares more about his alma mater than he does the team that he owns, that he spends money on, that is supposed to make him money, that does make him money, that is, I mean, they're not his livelihood, they're his hobby, let's be honest, but... It's, it's ridiculous. He is a, an awful owner and everything that this organi- organization does is dumb and it starts at the top with a dumb owner. This is fucking dumb and we have a fucking dumbass owner. Yes, I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. 
And I think anybody that has been really following this team and closely examining everything that this team has been up to for the last, uh, you know, couple of decades, well, really since Ross bought the team, has understood that, that this is a guy that just seems incapable of making the right decision or a complete decision, which is fascinating to me because this is a guy who you don't get to where Steve Ross is in life without making some good decisions somewhere along the line. And maybe it's just because he knows real estate really well and he's very good at that and he can make all of those decisions no problem. But when it comes to football, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And so now he gets rid of Brian Flores. The Dolphins keep Chris Greer, at least for now. There are, there are some narrative, there are, I mean, and now we're talking, it's the Dolphins, right? We're, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins. So there are dozens and dozens of narratives out there spinning around from different parts of Dolphins Twitter about why this happened and, and who, what the reasoning was. And there, there's a, you know, it's something from column A, something from column B. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins are back in this situation again, where it's like, how do we go forward from here? The one thing that you can kind of say that is different from that, from other times we've been in this place is that it seems like the Dolphins are well positioned with money to spend and already have a pretty decent roster in place. I think this roster that the Dolphins have now, while certainly not perfect, is at least on its way to something. Whatever that is, we were on the verge <laughs> of something. We're still moving in the right direction. But now, now you've got to bring in a head coach who is going to be okay with answering to Chris Greer. And, and listen, and there are a lot of different stories out there, right? And we can just take your pick of which one you want to go with. Here's one, for example, Chris Greer was supposedly the guy who's like signing off on all the guys that Brian Flores wants. He's signing off on them, letting Brian Flores have his guy. So he's like, okay, you, you these are the guys you want. These are the guys I'm going to get. Right. And then when things go sideways, Chris Greer goes to Steve Ross. I mean, it's Flores. It's, it's all him. He's throwing Flores under the bus. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. But at the end of the day, it, I mean, this, one of the other stories that you're hearing is that Brian Flores has just been very, very difficult to work with. And he's like no longer on speaking terms with Tua Tungavailoa. He's not on speaking terms with Chris Greer. He, he's not on speaking terms with a million other guys. And there are all these people in the organization that say he's a nightmare to work with. And that makes sense because, and it tracks when you look at what you've seen over the last several years, the Dolphins can't keep an offensive coordinator. How, what is it? Four offensive coordinators in three seasons, Right. Couldn't get along with anybody. Can't keep an offensive line coach. He can't. Uh, Jim Caldwell was like, "I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm pretending to be sick. I'm getting out of here." Right? He didn't want to. He didn't want to work for him. And so there's been a lot of a lot of signs, right? That that this was this was a problem. And so now the Dolphins have gotten rid of Brian Flores. And if he was a problem, fine. But I don't understand how you're Steve Ross and. You, if one of the things that we're hearing is that Chris Ross, Chris Greer signed off on giving Brian Flores everything he wanted, that is a significant issue for your GM to be passing off the final decision on player personnel to to Brian Flores. You're yeah, the GM. I mean, what's it, what's his job? 
Yeah. What, what are you what, doing? What's Chris Greer's job? Because Chris Greer will be will will take all the credit in the world when the draft picks go well. Like yeah. everybody will say, "Hey, Javon Holland, great pick. That's all Chris Greer. That X pick from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. man, what a great pick that was." But you know, all the bad picks go to the head coach. I mean, get the get the hell out of here. And the the thing about this is, don't get it twisted. I'm not upset that they fired Brian Flores. I I have no problem with them firing Brian Flores. Yep. I agree that Brian Flores, while being obviously a really, really good defensive football coach, and obviously got the team to play hard and not give up. And I think he deserves credit for that. Starting a season one and seven and winning eight of your last nine games is nothing to just overlook there he deserves credit for that but the fact is the what's happened on the offensive side of the ball has been an absolute train wreck since he got here the the they they can't keep an offensive line coach they can't keep an offensive coordinator there's no continuity there at all uh they have no identity on the offensive side of the ball and Brian Brian Flores is not a defensive coordinator he might be now he might yeah, not be a, if he doesn't get another head coaching job right, this year. But he was supposed to be the head football coach, which means both sides of the ball are under his watch. So he doesn't get a pass for what happens on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and, you know, having all of the, you know, the, the diff, the changes in personnel on the offensive staff, not being able to bring in a, you know, legitimate offensive coordinator that over the last two years in being tasked of bringing in new offensive coordinators he he pulled a guy out of retirement that was basically just brought in under the recommendation of Ryan Fitzpatrick who is a band-aid quarterback that's a bad personnel move that's a bad staffing decision and then the two offensive coordinator decision, which we've talked about ad nauseum and we said before the season started, if that doesn't go well, that's not going to be a good look for Brian Flores. All of those things are legitimate reasons to fire Brian Flores. And the fact that he doesn't have a good relationship with the GM or doesn't have a good relationship with the quarterback, th- that plays into it too. I'm fine with them firing Brian Flores. But firing Brian Flores and keeping Chris Greer is a shit show. It is a disaster. And it is the same thing that this franchise has done for years. And it's this, I mean, specifically since Stephen Ross has taken over ownership of this football team. Uh, this whole mixing and matching of GMs and head coaches. Now we don't even know. I mean, are, are they going to let Chris Greer do the head coaching search? Who was who responsible? Let's ask this question. Who was responsible for hiring Brian Flores in the first place? Wasn't it the GM? I I believe it was it was Steve Ross took that on. I mean, Steve Ross worked with Chris Greer to, to find the head coach. So just clean house, man. This is this was your opportunity. If you were dead set on getting rid of Brian Flores, just clean house already. But now they've done this stupid thing. They're going to end up with the clusterfuck at the top. They're going to end the up dance. not getting the head coach that they want because no head coach that is really worth a damn is going to want to step into this situation. 
Yeah. And that's that that is the next question. And we're going to sort of move to that portion of this conversation in a moment about what do the Dolphins do now when it comes to the head coach situation? Because that is now the the number one question over everything else as you look at this offseason. And there were already significant questions to ask about what this Dolphins team was going to do moving into the offseason. So let's get into that. But before we do, because we just sort of jumped right into it tonight, we got we to gotta remind everybody to make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He's at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Sam Old Dolphins. Uh, for everybody who is joining us live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel and the I'm a Miami Dolphins fan Facebook page, thank you. We hope that you have subscribed to the Dolphins Talk channel. Hit subscribe. Turn on the notification bell so that you're notified every time we go live. Like this video. That'll help us out a lot. So go ahead and click that thumbs up button. We appreciate that. And make sure you are subscribed to the same old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere that you get pod that you get your podcast. We appreciate it very much. And of course, make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. And there's going to be all kinds of new articles and opinion pieces popping up on DolphinsTalk.com each and every day in the next you know, for the next several days, several weeks as we go into this offseason, because this offseason that was already shaping up to be a pretty interesting one for the Miami Dolphins is now going to be even more interesting. And and I guess before we move finally completely off of the Brian Flores thing, because I think this informs part of the conversation into the summer, one of the big questions going into the offseason regardless of how you feel about the situation, was that the Dolphins, what were the Dolphins going to do at quarterback, right? Because Tua Tungavailoa is the quarterback. He did not have a season that convinced everybody that he is going to be the franchise quarterback going forward, which led a lot of people to believe that the Dolphins were going to revisit this idea of bringing in Deshaun Watson or somebody else. But what we've learned today is that it was really Brian Flores who was the one that was like heading up the train to bring Deshaun Watson in. Chris Greer apparently didn't like the price that the Texans were asking. Brian Flores said, pay it no matter what. And it eventually got all the way up to Steve Ross, who said, no, I'm not going forward with this deal while he's got all of these issues. So with Brian Flores now out of the question, what does that mean for the quarterback situation for the Miami Dolphins. I'm not convinced that it means the Dolphins are fully committing to Tua Tungavailoa because if you you ask people within the Dolphins organization, nobody wants to take credit for picking Tua Tungavailoa. It's not a good it, sign. <laughs> it wasn't Brian Flores. Chris Greer's not taking credit for it. Steve Ross isn't taking credit for it. So I don't know who's responsible for this pick, but if nobody wants to admit that, how is this organization going to commit to him, right? He's still got two more years on his rookie deal. Uh it's I'm sorry, three more deals on his three more years on his rookie deal. So he's he's got he's cheap to have in your team. But the question is, what are you going to do at that position? You're going to bring somebody else in. Which of these high profile quarterbacks, Watson, Rogers, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, whoever, Kirk Cousins, whoever it is, what of those quarterbacks is going to want to go play for a team whose head coach just got fired after three years and and after two consecutive winning seasons? Which one of these, you know, quarterbacks, proven starting quarterbacks in the NFL is going to want to 
come here. I think the Dolphins are going to have a hard time attracting a veteran quarterback to come in. So then you look at the draft. Well, this is not a draft with a lot of big-time quarterback talent, and the Dolphins aren't drafting until the back end of the first round, it looks like, because of the fact that the 49ers have now made the playoffs, and who knows? I mean, they got the Cowboys in round one, so very possible that 49ers end up in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Uh, so, you know, who knows when the Dolphins are going to be picking, but again, the draft, not really an attractive option at this point in time, it almost feels like the best option for the Dolphins is to just say, you know what, we're going to keep Tua in place as, as a placeholder and give him another year to run it back just because there's not really a great option for replacing him at this point. I know a lot of people are out there want Aaron Rodgers. They want Russell Wilson. They want all these guys, but I'm not convinced that the Dolphins are going to have the ability to just go out there and get one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to agree with uh, a lot of what you said. Uh, I'll say this, that uh, what we have is a lot of money. And you bring in a quarterback uh, and you you tell him, hey, look, we've got this much cap space. I know you don't like what we have on the offensive side of the ball, but you say, we're going to go out there and we're going to spend money on, we're going to spend money on two top dollar offensive linemen to really stabilize our offensive offensive line. And we're going to go out and, uh, and and bring in a, a high price receiver, and we're going to draft a running back. And you know, depending on who the player is that they're bringing in, if they're if they're coming in free agency, then you can also sell them on the idea of, hey, we also have all this draft capital too that we can spend on the offensive side of the ball uh, to to really give you all of these weapons. I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to win over an Aaron Rodgers or or a Russell Wilson, uh, but you know it, it. I don't think it's the least attractive place to be. And then you factor in that it is Miami and that there's no state income tax. Like there are there are reasons why a, a quarterback would want to come here. However, uh, what I do find interesting is that. Uh, Look, you and I have said, and we we keep having to remi- remind people who maybe didn't listen to us uh, a couple of months ago when we recorded that whole show about Deshaun Watson, that we do not want Deshaun Watson. That said, no. a lot of Dolphin fans do want Deshaun Watson because if you take out because our our stance on Deshaun Watson is it has nothing to do with him as a football player. If it was no, just nothing. football, if it was purely football, then we would say, hey, we are all in on Deshaun Watson. Our stance against him is we don't want to root for the guy. So we don't want the Dolphins to have him because we just find him to, to be a, a very difficult person to root for. And it puts us in, as fans in a really difficult situation. However, there are a lot of Dolphin fans and a lot of fans watching this stream on YouTube. What's up, YouTube? A lot of people listening to this show right now, wherever they're listening, that don't give a damn about all of that legal stuff. Don't give a damn about the the sexual misconducts, whatever. Uh, as long as it gets settled and cleaned up and he can play, they're fine with it. Well, here's the thing. One of the reasons that he that Deshaun Watson wanted to be traded to the Dolphins was because of Brian Flores. Right. So where I don't even know where we stand now. 
And right. it, with that, after the Dolphins fire Brian Flores, after back-to-back winning seasons, something this team hasn't done in 20 years. Again, I don't care about uh, them firing Brian Flores in a vacuum, and I don't care if it turns off Deshaun Watson, but if you're in the Deshaun Watson boat where you want Deshaun Watson, well, I don't know what Deshaun Watson thinks about this move. Yeah, I, it's that situation remains a big question mark. The, the quarterback remains a big question mark, and it's going to be a question mark all season, and I don't know if or when or if it's going to be resolved this season like i said it it remains an open question and i think a lot of it is going to have to is going to revolve around whoever the new head coach is for the Miami Dolphins and who that man man or woman is i guess and who they are and how they feel about what the dolphins have on this roster and i mean another question is quite frankly I think there is very there is a world out there where the Dolphins find a head coaching candidate who they really like, and when it gets down to it, that head coaching candidate says says to Steve Ross, "Listen, I will come work for you, but you got to you got to find new GM because I can't I don't want to work with this guy." It's a possibility. I think the more likely scenario is, you know, the Dolphins are going to find a head coach and they're going to be like, "You got to be okay with Chris Greer," and that might make the head coach search a little difficult. But hopefully, Steve Ross will have enough people turned off by that kind of sentiment and we'll be able to you know find a way to help these guys get what they want get to yes how do you get these head coaches to yes you get rid of your gm so let's think about now the kind of candidates who could be out there for the miami dolphins who is going to be the next head coach of the dolphins the name that is the kind of the hot name that is being bandied about well i guess we should start with the harbaugh thing as you mentioned earlier the the immediate thought was everybody's like this means the dolphins are 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 going after Jim Harbaugh and he's bringing him in. But as you said, Steve Ross said in his press conference today that he was not going to be the man who took Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. And now maybe Steve Ross was carefully parsing his words and saying that Jim Harbaugh is going to make that decision on his own. So it wasn't Steve Ross that made that decision. But it seems at this point, you, you and it's been reported by other people, that it's not going to happen, that this is not going to be a Jim Harbaugh situation. So the other name that's floating around out there today is Jim Caldwell. And quite honestly, I don't know how I feel about Jim Caldwell. I mean, he's a proven coach. He's a veteran guy. He's been around the block a few times before. He's made the playoffs before he made the playoffs coaching the Detroit Lions of all teams. But I don't know how I feel about the Dolphins bringing in, you know, an older head coach who's been out of the game for a little while. That seems to be a questionable hire. Uh, we are hearing word now that the Dolphins have asked permission to talk to Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator <laughs> of the Buffalo Bills. Brian Dable, of course, was uh, Tua's offensive coordinator at, at Alabama. So this is a guy that you would assume would be uh, happy to work with Tua. Um, and this is a guy that if you could bring in Dable to be the head coach by bringing him in you'd theoretically be improving your offense and also weakening an opponent in the division but I don't know how I feel about Brian Dable being the head coach there are a lot of names that the Doug Peterson is a guy that is out there I'm curious who everybody watching live on YouTube the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel and the I am a Miami Dolphins fan Facebook page I'm curious who you guys would like to see the Dolphins hire but, uh, you know, I, I'm just not sure what the way to go is. So let me ask you this, Brain. Would you prefer that the Dolphins bring in a fourth, would be a fourth consecutive head coach, fourth or fifth consecutive head coach with n- zero head coaching experience? 
No. Or would you prefer at this point, or would you prefer this point with with the team that they're go with with where they're at as a roster and the development of the roster and the progression of where their expectations are going to be, you cannot hire a first year head coach to come in with those expectations because to a certain extent any first year head coach is going to be learning some things on the job. That cannot be the case with a team that is going to come in, not just with playoff aspirations, but with aspirations of competing next year. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but the fact of the matter is, is that the, the expectation was to make the playoffs this year. And, uh, the, one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason of all of these things that we've talked about, but honestly, the biggest reason that Brian Flores got fired was because the team did not make the playoffs. So they underachieved this season. And when you look at the way the team finished the year by winning eight of nine games and you look at what kept them out of the playoffs are stupid losses to the Jaguars and the Falcons. And then you factor in that you're, you're expecting to make all of these upgrades with all of this money that you're going to be spending. You have all of these young players that you're expecting to progress and you have draft capital. You have to expect that the expectation in that front office is going to be that this team is not just going to take a jump next year and make the playoffs, but that they are going to compete for the division, that they are going to win a playoff game and that they are going to be contenders. That is the expectation that was always supposed to be the expectation for next season, regardless of how this season played out. And I don't think that changes just because they fell a little bit short this year. I think it just puts the onus on them for next year of it being that much more important that they reach those expectations, which is why Chris Greer is absolutely going to be on the hot seat, which again brings us back to who wants to be the head football coach for this team. And certainly you don't want it to be a first year guy who's going to be learning on the job and takes him, you know, five, six weeks to, to figure this thing out. Because as we all found out this year, if you get off to a slow start, you could win eight of your last nine games of the season and still miss the playoffs. Can I float a guy? I'm going to float a guy at you. He has, he has been a head coach before. Um, and he is very good at his job. What do you think about the Dolphins chasing after Josh McDaniels? I don't think Josh McDaniel takes the job. Hmm. I hmm. because Josh McDaniel. Remember, <laughs> Josh McDaniel right. was offered a job a couple of years ago. I think it was the Colts' job. Yes. Which was a pretty well, had, good job at the it. time. He, he not only was offered the job, he had accepted the job. Right. And he went back to New England. And I, I do believe that there is an agreement. Uh, maybe like, a, I, I don't know necessarily. I don't know how long Belichick's going to hang around. But I do think the idea there with McDaniel is he feels like he can wait it out in New England and have a great job being the head coach of the New England Patriots. And and certainly he is a guy that is a hot name on everybody's list. And like I said, why would he want to come to Miami as a, to be the head football coach? He's got a nice job right now as the offensive coordinator of the Patriots, has a quarterback that the franchise and the fans believe in. 
obviously has a great head football coach ahead of him. And, you know, he, he, the longer he stays there, his stock only rises. So he can pick and choose whatever job he wants, whatever job becomes available. So why is he going to take the job with the franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in over 20 years and fired a head coach after back-to-back winning seasons and, you know, couldn't clean house and now he's got to come in and be the head coach under, under Chris Greer? I find that very hard. I would... I think it would be a great hire. I just don't think he would come here. What about Eric Bieniemy? Eric Bieniemy makes a lot of sense if it wasn't a first-year coach. I'd, I'm not sold that Eric Bieniemy comes in and look. Everybody wants to say Eric Bieniemy. Look at what he's doing with the Kansas City offense. I could coach the Kansas City offense if you give me Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman. Uh, you know all of these guys that they have in Kansas City. I could I like coach that, you, that I like team's offense. That you mentioned Nicole Hardman before Clyde Clyde Edwards Elaire. Clyde Edwards. I mean, the whole the whole group, the whole group. Not to mention that he's running Andy Reid's offense. Right. <laughs> I mean. Well, that's an it's, interesting it's not thing like about Eric enemy came in there and, and created the offense. Well, the thing about enemy that's interesting is that he's been in the mix for the head for a head coaching job for the last couple off seasons, and nobody's pulled the trigger on him yet, which, you know, could mean any number of things. But it's interesting. It's interesting. So he's another candidate that's out there. Are there any guys out there, Brain, that you think would be interesting candidates for the Dolphins job that might might actually accept it? You know, um, Sorry, I, I got so laser focused on what the Dolphins did today and obvious, and it was a busy work day on, on Monday. So I didn't yep. see all of the other coaches that got fired. Uh, did, did Pete Carroll get fired? Pete Carroll, not that I've heard. I did oh, not okay. hear that he got fired because it was, uh, uh, it was Mike Zimmer, Matt Nagy. Yeah, I'm got not fired. interested. Not interested. The Giants haven't pulled the trigger on Joe Judge yet, but nobody wants to bark up that tree. Not, not interested. Yeah, so I, I mean, don't none, know that none I, of these names, none of these names interest me. I'm not sold in going the the college route uh, and bringing in a college guy. The Byron Jim Caldwell Leftwich. thing is is interesting, but I mean Jim Caldwell is a guy that I was never really crazy about, even when he was with Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I thought he he took Tony Dungy's teams and. I think he made them softer. Uh, I, I didn't really like the way that he handled those those teams. He obviously won a lot of games, but I, like I, any coach is going to win a lot of games when you got Peyton Manning in the in the prime of his career. I'm not necessarily sold on on Jim Caldwell. the 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 argument that I can make for Jim Caldwell is that Jim Caldwell was brought in as sort of the assistant head coach and and left this job because of health reasons a couple of years ago and he might be the kind of coach that if you if you're trying to stay the course and make the argument for continuity and you know a one year kind of test run kind of thing that would be the move but it's not exciting it's certainly not a flashy move and I don't know that it's a, that it's even an upgrade. So that, that really doesn't do anything for me. The only name that really made a lot of sense would be Jim Harbaugh. Dan Quinn is an interesting one. I liked the Dan Quinn hire when uh, he was a guy that I wanted the Dolphins to go after, uh, 
when we hired, was it Philbin that we hired over Dan Quinn when Dan Quinn went to Atlanta or was it Adam Gase? I think it was Gase. That was when we went Gase. Yeah. I, I was a fan of the Quinn hire, uh, back, back that year. But when you look at the way that that team really fell apart, particularly on the, the defensive side of the ball while, while Quinn was there, which was his specialty, I think Quinn was really just more of a, a defensive coordinator that kind of lucked into his system meshing well with some great talent in in Seattle where he had the Legion of Boom and he said, hey, we're going to play cover three defense all day and then just, you know, put a bunch of pass rushers out there. And then he had just, you know, a Hall of Fame safety, a Hall of Fame corner and like good defensive backs all over the field. And it just worked out. Well, I, yeah. Quinn would actually be really interesting. But I mean, the thing about Quinn is that his it's defense, you know, you need great linebackers in his defense. And look at what he's got right now in Dallas. That that team is that defense is fantastic. Um, he's really put something great together. Um, I think Trayvon Diggs is a little bit overrated, but uh he's he's good. He's intercepting passes, but he's giving up a lot of yardage. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think Dan Quinn would be an interesting guy. Put him in charge of the, this defense. Dolphins, listen. Regardless, if it was Dan Quinn, if it's anybody else that's defensive minded, I mean, the Dolphins still need to, they need to bolster their uh, middle linebackers. That, like, that is an area that I think needs to be addressed this offseason. I do think, look, if you're gonna, if, if the plan is to go with Tua, I think you need to bring in an offensive minded head coach. I think you need to bring in an offensive minded head coach anyway, because that offense is a disaster right now. Yeah, it's I mean that's that's probably it's true. And in, in, in the defense being basically set at this point, you probably could add like one or two, but you need to add like a linebacker to the defense and yeah. you know, you could add a couple of depth pieces here and there, but the defense is by and large set. Like I, I think you probably are looking at like an offensive minded coach. So I, I don't think Dan Quinn was somebody in the chat here on in, on YouTube mentioned Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I Byron think- Leftwich is another guy who's who's expected to get a lot of uh talk for head coaching jobs. I think the Jacksonville I mean, he's already in Jacksonville, so that's one of those that I think might be a possibility for him, but I don't know. Do, do you think that uh, the Dolphins are a more attractive job than Jacksonville right now? God, what oh, kind of yeah. question is that? Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. This is this is not a good year. This is, Jacksonville's a terrible job um, because it's not a good year to have a really great draft pick, right? With, you know, yeah, and they they went out and they drafted. Trevor Lawrence last year and he had an awful rookie season. I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence is not going to end up being a really good quarterback because I think, I think Trevor Lawrence could still be really good. But the fact is the fact that Trevor Lawrence had such an awful rookie season and he was the number one overall pick last year, you can't feel good about the, the Jaguars future because it's tied to Trevor Lawrence. So I wouldn't, I would definitely take the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a playoff ready roster with a bunch of money and a bunch of draft capital. The Dolphins are, are an attractive job if not for the situation as far as the front office. Right. But, <laughs> a, but Byron Leftwich, you know, again, I'm not, I don't love the idea of, of taking a guy, make, you know, a rookie head coach. But a rookie head coach, a guy that's never been a head coach before, is not going to be picky. Josh McDaniels, on the other hand, 
he can afford to be picky. He's been there. He's done that. He knows, he knows what it is and he knows what it's like to take a job and then have Jay Cutler as your starting quarterback and know that that's going to screw you over in the long run. Right. So are you saying that Tua is Jay Cutler? <laughs> the sad thing is, at this point, I don't even know if, if Tua is as good as Jay Cutler. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right. At Aaron the Brain on Twitter, everybody. At Aaron the Brain. Let him know if you think Jay, uh, Tua is as good as Jay Cutler. <laughs> That's going to, well, you're going to, you're meant, rest in peace to your mentions. Uh, so, so, Brain. Ob- objectively, I think it's a debate. Yeah, well, listen. I, I don't want to. We're not going to have that debate on this episode of the show. We're going to have maybe we'll have that debate later in time, but we're not going to have that debate right now. Listen, right now, I got to mention some. We're listen. We're forty minutes into the show. I haven't even said it. Listen, cheers to twenty twenty two and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into twenty twenty two the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Dolphins Talk for twenty percent off and free shipping. It's New Year. New me with the global leaders in below the waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their performance package 4.0 and brand new ultra premium body wash. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be unless you're Brian Flores. A group routine, a grooming routine isn't complete without applying crop preserver and crop reviver before showing off your 2022 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence into the new year. And to complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And the new product that needs no introduction, the Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. I shower every day, and I hope you do too. This body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. So whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Cheers to new balls in 2022. All right, Brain. We have not yet mentioned the fact that the Miami Dolphins finished their regular season, the 2021 season, with a 33-24 to win over the New England Patriots. It was very much a vintage 2021 Miami Dolphins win and that the defense played really, really well. The Dolphins scored a touchdown on a beautifully scripted opening drive. Um, the, the one thing about it that wasn't, typical Dolphins was the success they had running the ball. Really think the Dolphins have found something here with Duke Johnson. But they win the game 33-24. to They finish the season 9-8, and the first time since 2002 and 2003 that the Dolphins have back-to-back winning seasons. It is also, coincidentally, Brain, the first time in 40 years that an NFL team has had consecutive winning seasons and failed to make the playoffs in both of them. So, there you go. Miami that's Dolphins. That's, we, that's what we, we do. We find a way. We, we sure do. Um, 
But the Dolphins, listen, it's a winning, it is a winning season. They do finish nine and eight. They finish uh, third in the AFC East. It is another winning season. Um, we were going to have this be a year in review show, and obviously the Brian Flores firing kind of turned everything on its head here, but I still think that there's something to talk about. So let's talk about 2022 and what kind of, or 2021 rather, and what your your biggest takeaways were from following this team over the course of the 2021 season. What What is kind of, what are kind of your biggest takeaways from this year? Okay, well, the offensive line still sucks. And is it, you know, is a complete work, uh, work in progress still? Uh, the, obviously the Will, Phil, Will Fuller sign, signing was an abject failure. Devontae Parker failed to, you know, basically reverted to the form that he's been every year except for the one thousand yard receiving year that he had two years ago. We kind of know who he is. Uh, the biggest takeaway is obviously Tua. He made a small jump, but it wasn't the big jump that you were hoping to see. It, he did not definitively answer the question as far as him being the franchise quarterback. And so I think it leaves that position open-ended to where, uh, again, I don't think the Dolphins should be looking to draft a quarterback and I don't think they should be desperately trying to pick up any quarterback off the scrap heap but they should be looking for an upgrade uh and and thinking about the future going into next year if even if Tua is your starting quarterback next year I'm not sold that he's the guy going forward and I think the biggest thing was well I mean the biggest thing was the Tua thing and I think the second biggest thing was the play of the defense uh, because the defense ultimately, and, and I said this over and over again, the first half of the season, that the biggest disappointment for me over the course of that one and seven start was the play of the defense. Because even though the offense was bad, it wasn't shocking that the offense was bad. Any designs that the Dolphins had on being a playoff team we're all always going to be dependent on the defense being very good to elite. And the defense was dreadful the first half of the season, but the, the players coming on strong, the young players, Jalen Phillips, Javon Hollins, those, those two guys looking like studs, uh, Raquan Davis coming back from his injury, Christian Wilkins having the best year of his career, the defense coming together and really playing at an extremely high level for the last, you know, two and a half months of the season, uh, shows that they, that, that, that's foundational. Yes. There's always going to be, uh, more regression on the defensive side of the ball, more variance on the defensive side of the ball from year to year, but, there are enough really good pieces there on that defense that are either young or in their prime that the defense should be very good next season, even if the Dolphins don't do a lot to add to it. So that means it's, it gives the Dolphins, with all of this money, it gives them a lot more clarity as far as what to do with that money. I do think they have a couple of big decisions to make with players that they already have on the roster, which we should get into, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to Emmanuel Ogba. I do think that they should be very smart with the way they handle, handle Christian Wilkins because they don't need 
to give Christian Wilkins a new contract, but the longer you wait, the longer you risk not being able to get Christian Wilkins at a reasonable price. So I think this is the year where you have all this cap space to extend him to a team-friendly deal. I think they should be looking hard at trying to extend Emmanuel Ogba if they don't have to overpay, and then they can focus almost all of their attention in free agency on the offensive side of the football. What do you do with Xavier Howard? Because there was a point in time where I think there was it was a very reasonable thing to be like, you can move off of Xavier Howard. But now he's put together a second consecutive year of being one of the very best cornerbacks in the National Football League. And he is going to be worth every cent that somebody is going to pay him. So the question is, do you pay him? Because you told him you you put the in the deal that they put together with him at the beginning of the before the season started, when he was having the meltdown and he was talking about holding out. And then the Dolphins decided to, you know, do some things with his incentives and they, they fixed a few things with his contract and they made him happy. And they, and part of the thing that made him happy was saying at the end of this year, we are going to look at putting, we're either going to look at putting a new contract together for you or send you somewhere else and let them do it. So the question is, do you trade Xavier Howard or do you keep him and pay the man? Uh, I keep Xavier Howard um, because he's not the problem. The The problem is the total amount of money that they're spending at that position. Xavier Howard is worth the money that he's making. The problem is the guy playing opposite is not worth the money that he's making and is turning 30 next season and is going to have a $16 million cap hit. Um, so they need to try to do what they need to do one of two things with Byron Jones. They either need to restructure Byron Jones's contract or they, I mean, well, I guess they have three options there. They could keep Byron Jones for another year because it only saves them about $4 million to cut him because he has over $12 million in dead cap, uh, or, uh, if he doesn't restructure and you don't want, uh, and you don't want to keep him on the roster because you want to save $4 million, you can, uh, yeah, I mean, you can cut him, but if you keep him, you can cut him next year and save $12 million, which I think is, is much more palatable. So it, it comes down to, to the cap space. It comes down to what kind of money they're spending. I think a lot of it comes down to, where are they spending the money? If they're keeping Tua and they're not spending the money on a quarterback, then I think you've got the money to where you can just kind of ride it out for one more year with Byron Jones and say, look, I mean, we, we don't love that we're spending that much money on one position and we don't love how much money we're spending on Byron Jones, but we have a, an out at the end of next year, uh, where we can release him and save $12 million. And, and, and it's not, it's not that big a deal because we still have plenty of money that we can spend elsewhere. Um, but I'm not trading Xavier Howard when the goal, when the team has aspirations of contending, I'm not trading the best player on your team when the problem on your team for the past 20 years is that you don't have playmakers. 
right. and you don't have elite players. I'm keeping Xavier Howard and I'm looking to cut costs elsewhere. So let's talk about another another guy that's on the agenda that is looking at potentially a big contract. He's on the other side of the football. On offense, you got a guy named Mike Kosicki. Now, here's the thing with Mike Kosicki. If the Dolphins are going to ride with Tua Tungavailoa as their quarterback next season, I think that tells me that if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I am probably looking to put a franchise tag on Mike Kosicki and then see what I can get for him in a trade. Because I think that Mike Kosicki is not a... It, while he is has the potential to be a huge weapon for this offense, at least under the system that was in place this year, he was he was not great. He he had a he had a handful of games in the middle of the season where he was putting together some numbers, but largely he was not present and he was not a great fit in the offense because he his if his his uh, lack of ability to be a blocker. He's really just kind of a, a big slot receiver, and so. You know, if if the Dolphins are going to stick with Tua Tungavailoa, I think there's a lot more value in having tight ends who can block. Now, we have no idea what the Dolphins have in Hunter Long because he was inactive for most of the season. Um, but when it comes to Mike Kosicki, I wonder if this isn't, if I mean, if we're looking, I think either way, we're looking at a situation where the Dolphins are putting the franchise tag on Kosicki this year. I don't think he's getting a big contract from the Dolphins. But what I wonder is, is if he's still going to be a Miami Dolphin come week one of the NFL season. I'm not franchising Mike Gesicki because I'm not paying Mike Gesicki $14 million and then waiting to see if somebody's going to trade for him. Because what are you going to get? You're going to get what? Like a third round pick? I a think you can get a, I think depending, I think maybe like a You're going to get like, a team that's going to give up a second round pick and pay Mike Gesicki? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. The LA Chargers know. could use a, a receiving tight end like uh, Mike Gesicki. I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm making Mike Gasicki an offer that he's probably not taking and he's probably going to walk because I'm, I'm looking at the, the tight end contracts and I'm saying like, look, if you're franchising Mike Gasicki, you're paying him $14 million. And I think that Mike Gasicki is probably worth half that, maybe like an extra million. Um, I'm not paying Mike Gesicki $10 million a year, which is probably what he's going to want in like a long-term deal. I mean, look, Jonu Smith just signed a four-year contract worth $50 million. Mike Gesicki's going to want at least that. I'm not giving Mike Gesicki four years and $50 million. The Dolph, look, the tight end position is the least important position on the offensive side of the football. All you have to do is look at the Dolphins roster. We had five tight ends. Tight end was the only position that the Dolphins were good at. And we've been talking about how awful the offense is. I mean, that's fair. I mean, look, and, and, and if you, truthfully, if you really want to build this offense and, and you want Tua to be the quarterback, you need speed. You need weapons. You need to go out and you need to sign a guy like Calvin Ridley and then bring in another. You need to draft another fast wide receiver and you need to spread things out. Mike Kosicki isn't helping them do that. I would rather, I'd rather throw a, a bargain contract at like a Zach Ertz, uh, 
but I mean, honestly, I'm probably not even doing that because I mean, we, we've got plenty of tight ends. I'm being cheap at the tight end position and I'm focusing elsewhere. I'm focusing on the offensive line and then at wide receiver and then at running back. When you've got all of that figured out and you've got your quarterback figured out, then we could talk about the luxury position of tight end. But I think- I'm not paying Mike, Mike Kosicki $14 million. I'm not having him eat up $14 million of cap space in a year where you've got all this cap space. I'm not letting Mike Kosicki be the reason why we're not upgrading our offensive line or our wide receiving core. Well, I, yeah, I, I think there's certainly things that the Dolphins need to address in this offseason, and among them, probably at the very top of the list, is the offensive line. The Dolphins absolutely need to bring in a couple of vets on the offensive line, because um, I certainly don't want Chris Greer, Chris Greer drafting another offensive lineman, because that has been a disaster thus far, uh, for the most part. Although, uh, you know, to be fair to the offensive line, they certainly were starting to turn it around later in the year. They actually had another decent game against the Patriots uh, two weeks in a row uh, there against uh, Tennessee and New England. But, you know, that's a position that I think that the Dolphins need to upgrade. So let's look at other places where the Dolphins need to upgrade. I mentioned earlier, middle linebacker is a huge one for the Miami Dolphins. They got to They've got to do something and they've got to bolster that that portion of the defense so that they can actually like really slow some of these running teams down. There are a lot of teams in the in the AFC that are just going to tell you, hey, we're just going to run the ball until you can stop us. And the Dolphins have certainly struggled against that, against teams like that this year. Uh, and, and probably no better example of that than watching Deontay Foreman run all over them in Tennessee in week 17. So I think that's an area where they need to upgrade. What do you do at receiver? You mentioned Calvin Ridley. There are other guys that are going to be out there are there other names that you like to bring in in wide receiver? Because I, well, well, first, let's talk about this. Let's talk about where this roster is now. Who on the Miami Dolphins receiving core are you looking at keeping next year? I think Jalen Waddell is the only guaranteed yes. Probably Matt Collins as well because he's a special teams guy that I think you can get a night, you can get on a pretty nice cheap deal. You know, you could sign Matt Collins for a long term and, and Tua seems to really like him. But other than those two guys, I mean, what, what do you do with Devontae Parker? I I would keep him unless you're getting unless you're getting a trade offer for him because I think even though look the guy has his issues with particularly with staying on the field when he is on the field he's a good player and he's not overpaid. I mean he he makes uh what is he making like eight million dollars or something like that and eight nine million dollars yeah next it's not year? a lot. Not a lot. It's it's a really manageable salary. Very You're team not friendly getting deal. another wide receiver uh to come in at eight or nine million dollars to get you to give you the production that, that Devontae Parker is gonna give you. Uh and the fact is is you can bring in a guy like uh a Calvin Ridley and or or overpay for a guy like Chris Godwin and I'd be happy with either of those two guys. I think those two guys come in immediately and what it enables you to do is it enables you to play Jalen Waddle in the slot even more and have weapons on the outside. The question is can Tua get them the ball? I don't know uh you know I I I'm not sold that Parker is necessarily the best fit for Tua, I think Tua needs a bunch of guys with speed, but I don't mind par- keeping Parker on the roster and having him be your third receiver. 
I really don't mind because if you get rid of Parker to bring in a guy like him, you're going to overpay. Uh, you, you've got him under contract already. I, 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 and I think if you cut him, you're only saving like $3 million. So, I mean, yeah. you're going to, you're going to save $3 million to cut Devonte Parker. Like, what are you going to do with that $3 million? Yeah. Bring in a backup running back. Right. Well, I don't think we need any more backup running backs. I think our running back situation, we saw if, the, if you can, I think Duke Johnson deserves a contract. He deserves, he deserves another opportunity to play a full season in Miami. And then I think you, you've got to bring in another running back to go with him. But I think Duke Johnson is, I think the Dolphins are shoring up their running back situation. Uh, I think they really found something with Duke Johnson. I, it, it's not solved. They need it. They need a number one running back, but Duke Johnson did a really nice job. Uh, this season with what he had. Um, but yeah, as far as receivers, I, I don't know. I agree with you. I think Parker is, he's available. He's on the cheap. You've got him already. I mean, the biggest problem with Parker is that he's just, he doesn't really create separation. He can't stay on the field. That's, that's the biggest problem with him. So I, yeah, I, you know, I think somebody mentioned Allen Robinson and Allen Robinson is a guy I really, really like. And I think he's due for a big bounce back year next year because he, he just did not have a very good year at all in this this franchise year that he had in Chicago but um yeah i i'm i'm interested but i like the idea of keeping parker around and, and you know another thing to consider is the dolphins do still have Lynn Bowden Jr with you know and that's a question mark there he, he, he we didn't get to see him at all this year because he got hurt in camp but he's a guy that has a lot to offer, but I don't think there's anybody else on the Dolphins roster in terms of receivers that I'm really looking to keep around. Albert Wilson, take him or leave him. Isaiah Ford, you know, these guys are just, these are nothing guys. You know, they're just, they're just there. You know, you could yeah, always he, bring back an Isaiah Ford. It's not going to cost you anything. You could, Isaiah I mean, Ford Kirk, is one of those guys who's always going to come back. We're going to, Isaiah Ford will be playing for the Dolphins in 2037. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I, I, if you got Waddle, you got Parker, you got Mac Hollins, uh, you, you draft a guy and you, you sign a guy in free agency and then, you know, all right, you can play the Isaiah Ford or Kirk Merritt or who would name, name your undrafted free agent wide receiver that, that comes in as your number six receiver. Uh, that, that it's fine. Um, but I, I think, I think, Waddle, obviously, Waddle is coming back. And then uh, I think Hollins makes a lot of sense to come back and you probably bring him in real cheap. Um, and then I would I would keep Parker and then you, you've got that way you're not totally desperate <laughs> and in yeah. free agency and having to spend like 30 million dollars at the wide receiver position because that's not a good position to be in. So are you saying you're not going to pay for Chris Godwin? I would pay for Chris for Chris Godwin, not thirty million for a year. But no, like, of course not. <laughs> but no. like, uh, no, I would pay for Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin is a legitimate number one receiver. Chris Godwin was the number one guy that I wanted last off season before he got franchised. So, is there a world where the Dolphins bring in Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley? There's a world, but if you're doing that. You're almost certainly not, you know, signing an, a quarterback or you're not spending money at quarterback because you're spent and then you're spending, 
what upwards of 30 to 40 million dollars just at the receiver position and you still have to solve this offensive line issue I don't think that's the way to do it I think and secondly you're going to bring in those guys and there's only one football so you know one of those guys is going to end up being your third receiver and you're going to be paying him you know 17 18 19 20 million dollars a year to catch what 40 balls and have like 800 yards receiving and then you're going to say well that was a waste of money yeah yeah and well you know and I don't even know if Chris Godwin has said that he's ready to come back and play football next year you know he's been dealing with he's been dealing with a mental health thing and on his own time and so who knows where he's going to be at Devontae yeah. well listen yeah obviously Devontae <laughs> Adams, Adams is available I'm uh yes let's go I'm kicking there, the tires there's there's good receivers out there yeah. uh this is a better receiver year I mean look we don't know what what's going to happen with the franchise tag but this looks like it's going to be a better year to sign a free agent receiver than last year when you saw teams like the Steelers overpay with Juju Smith-Suster and the Giants overpay on Kenny Galladay. I mean, hell, the Dolphins, we thought they had like a, a great value <laughs> signing in Will Fuller, and that ended up being the worst deal out of them all. One of the worst deals in franchise history, the Will Fuller situation. What a disaster that has turned out to be. Uh, but shout out to Will Fuller. Good on you, man. I hope you enjoy that $10 million. Hope you spend it well. Shout out. Shout out, Will Fuller. Respect. Um, well, yeah, so there's a lot of places to look. So, listen, we, without getting into the, the nitty-gritty, here are the things that I think the Dolphins need to do this offseason. They've got to, obviously, they've got to, They've got to figure out this offensive line. They got to upgrade the offensive line because whether they're whether they're sticking with Tua or whether they're bringing somebody else in, you got to protect your quarterback. You got to fix that offensive line. So that's one. The other thing is you gotta you gotta bolster the middle linebacker core so you can really get your run defense to where you want to be. You need to do that. I think you do that in the draft, though. I think I think you can. I mean, if you can hit, maybe that's your first round pick. Is you can find a find that big linebacker. You know, I'm not a big draft guy, so we got to bring in. We got to ask somebody. We got to probably get the Bearmans on the show. We got to get Daniel and and David Bearman on the show to talk about who the Dolphins can draft at, at middle linebacker. You know, at whatever they're picking, probably around. 20 in the draft so it's not necessarily like a middle linebacker like I know that that's kind of like what I was saying because you want an upgrade over a Landon Roberts but the truth of the matter is is that the majority like this whole idea of middle linebacker is all predicated on the whole idea of of playing a base 4-3 defense which nobody really does anymore because the because teams spread you out and the majority of teams play a base defense with two linebackers on the field because they're in the nickel so what you need are two really good linebackers. Jerome Baker is a good linebacker. He's not a great linebacker, he a but good he's good. Linebacker. Yes. He's a good linebacker. Landon Roberts is a below average linebacker. Yes. So you need the big upgrade there. You don't need like, you know, a Ray Lewis, a Zach Wilson type linebacker. You just Zach need. Wilson? Did I say Zach Wilson? You said Zach Wilson. You meant, I meant Zach Ray Tom? Lewis and, uh, and Zach Thomas. That's yeah. why, that's who I was going with. I, I certainly don't want Zach Wilson playing linebacker for the Dolphins. <laughs> I don't want Zach Wilson playing for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I, I don't want him in a Dolphins jersey. Let's, <laughs> let's say that. Well, okay. So, 
So there, we're bolstering the offensive line. We're finding an, we're finding some linebackers. Uh, we got to uh, we got to find another. I think we're going to bring in a big name receiver. I think that's definitely happening. I think we're going to probably try our luck in the draft with the receiver. I think we're also going to keep our eyes on Kirk Merritt to see if he can make a big uh, jump. Although I don't believe that he is the superhero that many people want him to be. But keep your eye on. Kirk Merritt, and I think the Dolphins are definitely going to be drafting a running back somewhere. It's not a, it's not a, there's no Najee Harris out there in the draft this year, but the Dolphins are absolutely bringing in a starting running back. You got to do that as well. And then, you know, you also have this other question of what they're going to do at quarterback and whether they're going to run it back with Tua now that Brian Flores is out of the building or whether they're still going to pursue somebody else remains to be seen, but it is an open question that is out there. And then, of course, now the biggest question is about what the Dolphins are going to do in this offseason. Who's going to be the head coach of this football team? And we don't know the answer to that right now. But what we do know is that we are going to be back with you occasionally throughout the offseason. We're we're going down from the two times a week schedule down to once a week uh, or 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 maybe even less sometimes. But everybody here at the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network is going to have you covered. So make sure you're subscribed to the Dolphins Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure you're subscribed to the same old Dolphin show. Make sure you're following me at Amplified to Rock. Follow him at Aaron in the brain follow the show at same old dolphins so that you know when we're when we're going to be in your earballs next make sure you're subscribed to the dolphins talk youtube channel like this video if you haven't done so already subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification bell so you're notified every time we go live the brain and i will next be in your earballs i can tell you this definitively unless something is to break later on this week and we got to do an emergency show but i know right now for fact we will be back in your ears uh, next. Well, we're going to be recording next Monday with our friends Charlie and Kadeem on Go Time Dolphins, uh, which I can't recommend that podcast highly enough. Uh, love those guys, Charlie and Kadeem on the Go Time Dolphins podcast. So make sure you check them out. And we're going to be recording with them next Monday night. So I don't know if they go live on their YouTube channel or not, but we're going to be with them. So keep an eye out. Follow them on YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff. And you'll be able to catch us there next week. But um, listen, hey, season's over. We got a great crowd watching the show live tonight, and we appreciate everybody joining us. Um, it has been, listen, for all of the, the, as miserable as we were at the beginning of the season when this team started one and seven, this little stretch run down here where the Dolphins went eight and one down the home stretch of the season to finish nine and eight kind of been a lot of fun. And while uh, we certainly got a little bit of a shock to the system today with the firing of Brian Flores, uh, I think this offseason is going to be a lot of fun as well because we're going to be following our team and maybe, maybe, just maybe, they will be actively working towards not continuing to be the same old Dolphins forever and ever and ever ad infinitum. Rain, anything else you want to impart before we get out of here? I'm not counting on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 fair. All right, everybody. Then we're going to get out of here. Thanks again for tuning in, whether it's on live on YouTube and Facebook or listening on demand on the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the DolphinsTalk.com family. Thank you for listening to the same old Dolphin show. We appreciate it very, very much. Have a safe winter. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Enjoy the college football national championship game. And as already, 
<laughs> yes, Brad, we will clone Marino already. We will take care of it. <laughs> we will take care of cloning Marino. In the meantime, all of you take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Gotta get a DNA sample from them isotoners. Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're